join us as we take a look behind the scenes with the independent musicians of Louisiana. Learn about upcoming projects before they drop. Experience the rich heritage of iconic venues and get first-hand accounts of exclusive events. Musicians are remarkable people. Get to know them, their struggles, and the inspiration for their art. NewOrleansMusicians.com is dedicated to uplifting the artists and providing them with the tools necessary to elevate their craft. We shine a spotlight on them, as well as highlight the music scene and educate everyone with our interviews, album reviews, and music scene news. This is NewOrleansMusicians.com. All right, so originally you weren't born in Louisiana. You, uh, you were born out of state. Where were you from originally? Uh, Newburgh, New York. That's upstate. Upstate New York. New York. And then you moved out when you were a little child, <clears throat> huh? When I was 12. 12 years old? Mm-hmm. Where'd y'all come down to? Uh, Baton Rouge. Okay. <laughs> and you stayed here since then? Yeah, I mean, I've been <clears throat> going back home, you know, visiting and stuff like that, but yeah. Yeah, been a resident of Baton Rouge ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember... Uh, any of that time before you moved as a little child? Oh, yeah. I can remember well when I was young. Uh, <clears throat> actually, when I, when I was around four, you know, that's when I had wrote my first song. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I was inspired by Michael Jackson, and, uh, which he inspired a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I wrote my first song. It was called, uh, I was a Big Bucks Bunny fan. Mm-hmm. And it was, so, you know, it was called What's Up, Doc? Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember the hook, but I can't remember the, sure. the verses. Yeah. And it was, so it was uh, like rap style. Rap was hot back then, just getting just getting a, <clears throat> around the streets. I would well, assume. Well, rap was just in the streets then. You know, I was uh, I remember going to Mount St. Mary's, which is a college uh, in my in my hood, and uh, that they used to have the the the, the, the parties up in there. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? They had this crew called uh, DOC and Company. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I knew everybody in the, in the clique. Uh, shout out to them. And um, <clears throat> as a kid, you know, we was going to the parties and I used to see, you know, watch them. And, you know, they, it was just overwhelming. And I, I used to see myself on the stage singing and all that type of stuff, you know. But I think around that time I was about six. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Seven. You know. Six and seven, you were hanging around with all these older cats watching them do their thing. Yeah, it was parties. They were throwing parties, and it was the entertainment. Yeah. Uh, DOC and Company, it was a, it's a rap group, mm-hmm. a rap clique. And uh, he had Kid Nice, who's the legend. Uh, uh, he was the DJ. Uh, he had Charlie Rock. He had Eddie on. He had, uh, those are ones that I remember. I might, you know, I mean, by names right now. Sure, sure. You know what sure. I'm saying? Uh, but, uh. I'm sure there was more because I knew my boy Fly Ty was affiliated with him and my uh, my brother-in-law, R.I.P. Chauncey Chill, he was, his rap style was incredible. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And so you were watching these guys at a young age, right. an impressionable age. Yes. And you just, you're like, that's where I'm going to be next. That's what I'm right. going to do next. That's what made me want to start rapping. Yeah. Around that age. And uh, so I was rapping and singing, you know, I was getting it together, you know, and uh, <clears throat> as the years go on, I just kept doing my thing, just getting better with my craft and just doing it. Uh, eventually, we moved down here. What year is that? Because I want to place this in the timeline. That's, uh, that was 19, uh, what, 78? 78? Yeah. Okay. 78. All right. And um, so, I mean, rap, honestly, is still in its infancy at that time. 
Right. Rap wasn't, it was out where we were, yeah. where we're from. Right. Because uh, <clears throat> everybody was doing it. You right. Know? Uh, but nationally, down south. Right. Nothing. Wasn't there unless somebody moved from New York like I did. Yeah. And like MC Shy did from Atlanta. Yeah. He's same story. But I think I moved to the south before him. And, uh, and that's what it was. I uh, remember him on Q93. He was a little kid. He had a little kid voice on Q93. Right, right, right. That's funny. Right. Um, before y'all moved, because you said you moved at the age of 12, right? Right. So, I mean, you were, you were coming up, not quite into your own, but coming up. Right. Uh, did you have relatives down here in Louisiana? In the South. You in, did? Uh, yeah, in Memphis. Oh, okay, in Memphis. <clears throat> in Memphis. All right, but not down in Louisiana? Not in Louisiana. Yeah, no. okay. I know sometimes, the reason I ask, sometimes rap kind of migrated out through way of cassette tape being mailed to other people, relatives in other states, you know. And Stuff like that too, right. Because yeah. a lot of our relatives did that and a lot of our people back home did that sure run you know they probably had relatives down south yeah you know, but uh but still it wasn't it wasn't here it took a long yeah, time I, for I information mean, to get out back then <laughs> yeah when we got here it wasn't here um <clears throat> when we left when we just left from up there the sugar hill gang came out okay rapper's delight that's right it didn't get here until 79. okay look how long it took to get here yeah that's right I'm, you know so <clears throat> but we had it i mean matter of fact when we came here <laughs> my brother and him you know, lied to the people and said we were the Sugar Hill Gang and was rapping their song and people believed that we were really them. <laughs> and when it came out, yeah. they really believed until they seen it. <laughs> that was it. The gig was up, huh? Gig is up. That's hilarious. Yep. So you get here, it's, uh, you said 78, is that right? 78. 78, <clears throat> you get here, 78, Baton Rouge. Um, you got... You got something new to bring, which you got something new to bring to the table down here. Right. Uh, right. Who, right. who are you, where are you hanging out? Who are your friends at that point? Just moving <clears throat> here, you got to meet new people. Yeah, because they're all witnesses. Um, you know, uh, I, I got one, one cat that I first friended when he came down here. His name is Louis, Louis Francois. And uh, we were like, we're still like brothers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, he knew. Just growing up with us down here, he knew we could rap and all that stuff. He knew we could dance, and then, you know, he even called on, you know, from being around. Us, sure, you know what I'm saying. So uh, that's what it was. We used to go to the, road, the skating ring, yeah. Leo's skating ring on on North Street, and 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 that's when uh, <laughs> they was lying to us. We was the Sugar Hill Gang and all that type of stuff, and, and taking these cats, girls, and they was getting mad. I was young. I wasn't really doing the girl thing. You know what I'm saying? Cause I was a little, you know, I was young. My yeah. brothers and them kept me innocent. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but, you know, my brothers in the morning, all three of them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to say that these cats got mad when they found out that we wasn't uh, the Sugar Hill Gang and they crowded us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They didn't crowd me. Yeah. Well, I was a little boy. They wasn't going to touch me. 12 years, so, 13 years old, you kind of playing both sides of the fence at that time. You're still he, mama's baby, but you're trying to get up out right, of here. Right, right, right. And, uh, you know, but. My brother told me to run because it was only three of us at that time. Yeah. You know, we normally normally be about seven, eight of us. Yeah. That was a, so they caught us slipping. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How but, many uh, how many brothers you got? Right now I got four brothers because I got a little a little brother now. He's a twin. Okay. So but back then it was it wasn't he, he wasn't there though. Right. It was just it was three brothers it was just, at the time it was, yourself. It was I had yeah I had three brothers but one was still in New York. Okay. He came but then he went back. Uh huh. You know because him and my stepdad couldn't really get along. You know, he was my oldest brother, 
And uh, so he went back home. So me and my other two brothers stayed. Mm -hmm. And they're older than me, too. I was the baby for 15 years. What's, what's the age difference? My little brother and sister, to 15 years apart. Back then, the, the two that oh, were? Oh, my, uh, my, my, my brother before me is uh, a year and something mm -hmm. older than me. Uh, and then the brother after him is a year older than him. Okay. And then my so oldest brother is a year older than him. Y'all pretty close, pretty close together in age. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a, my sister's the oldest, though. And she's, you know, and then she's a year older than I got my you. older brother. So, um, all right, so that was the, the genesis of your music career was New York all the way. Oh, yeah. And then when you came down here, it just continued, but it was in different atmospheres. It wasn't at colleges, it was at skating rinks and other gatherings for kids. Right. 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 Was it still an older crowd that you were hanging around? You found yourself I've around? I've always hung with, you know, my brothers. They're older than me, so, you know. Uh, but it came to a point where, you know, one of my brothers, you know, he, had, he did a bid. He went to jail, the one before me. Mm -hmm. He did 25, and, uh, but he went to jail in 82, so he was gone. And then um, I told you my other brother, he went to the service in 81. Oh, that's right. So that's I was right. by myself. Yeah. Uh, in 82, I was, all, I was by myself in 82. Two years, three years. You had enough time to establish roots down here, though. Oh, yeah. So to yeah. speak, with yeah. fine yeah. young yeah. crowd and all yeah. that stuff. When I first got here, you know, cats was jealous, you know. You know, when I came down here to seventh grade, you know, they was just, cats was jealous because I, who, I was who I was. Mm -hmm. And you know, and all the girls like me. You know, I'm, I'm fresh. You know, I'm, you know all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, fresh meat, <laughs> accent, so you new. know, just yeah. everything. And then I brought all this talent with me. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, you know, it was you know, the cats was jealous, man. But anyway, yeah. what was the outlet at the time? Were you able to uh, do anything DJing, rapping, any of that stuff? I was the first DJ down here uh, at the age of 15, and did and I and I, I did a party. Uh, off of Airline Highway, it used to be called uh, Showcase. Uh-huh. I think it was something like that, Showcase Pizza, something like that. And I was uh, 15 at the time, and I was the first one to do that, to throw a party at a different, you know, like a place like that. Mm -hmm. Cause not everybody do it now, you know sure, what I'm saying? Sure. But back then, yeah, was the first DJ to do that. 15 years old. How did you how did you line that up? You went and approached the owner and said, let me rent this place <laughs> out or what? No, man. Um, I'm trying to remember, really, but, but uh, it was so far back. Uh, I think what it was, I you know, okay, a friend of mine named Melbo mm -hmm. from out of Fairfields, he hooked that up for me. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah he hooked it up for me, and he's like, hey, man, won't you uh, do this and do that? I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, I'll do that. Let's do it. Now, uh, to back it up a little bit, what was your... What were your genres, your musical inspiration? What were you hearing in the house as a child coming from, you know, like your mother's music collection, your father's music collection? You had brothers and sisters too, so I'm sure it was yes. all over the map. Old school, man. I'm an old school fanatic, you know, because yeah. that's what I grew up listening to. You know, as a kid, as a child coming up, man, my mama, if she ain't playing it, my sister playing it, you know, my brothers, you know, they were, they were too busy, you know, out there, you know, I had the one brother, he was cool, he was a school kid, you know, he was good, good, mama's boy, you know what I'm saying? But my other two, my oldest brother and a brother before me, they was in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> my, my oldest brother uh, before me, when he was eight years old, he was driving, because <laughs> he was, you know, in the mix with the older cats that, you know, 
training the younger cat type right. of thing. Yeah. And uh and I, I seen his direction, man, and he came down here and unfortunately he didn't you know, he was doing a you know, doing the wrong thing. Yeah, last long. But so what were your parents? What kind of artists? You can name a few your parents were listening to. What were you, oh, who were you oh, hearing as a child? Oh, that okay, of? yeah, my bad. Uh, shoot, you name it, man. Uh, uh, one of my favorite songs is by Major Harris. Mm -hmm. I always play that. And love won't let me yeah. win. <laughs> that, that's one of my favorite songs, man. So I grew up listening to that. That song woke me up in the morning. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? As a kid, you uh -huh. know what I mean? Yeah, that song woke me up a lot of times because my mama wasn't blasting it, my sister was blasting it. Uh, and then you had, you know, I mean, Gladys Knight, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, uh, you just name them, the OJs, uh, 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 some Luther, uh, let me see, uh, when Luther was with that other band. That you other look group. at me. No, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, okay, you're right, 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 right. Before Luther was solo. I just know Luther is Luther. I don't know. <laughs> he, was with, he was with a group yeah. before he was solo. Uh, so the R&B. Teddy Pendergrass, all of them. You know, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Blue Notes, yeah. The Stylistics. Yeah. Uh, uh, you name them, man. You know so it was soul music and R&B music, heavy, heavy. In my house. And, all right, so you got the soul and R&B uh, background and... Uh, before you left, you were starting to hear rap. Now, it was kind of fused together because they were using the breakdowns from the soul the and R&B tracks right. for their sets. Right. And, okay, so you bring down kind of an amalgamation of both of those and it stays with you. When you were DJing, you're DJing for 15, 16, 17-year-olds. Right. What are you playing at that point? Because oh, I was, I was the next step doesn't exist yet. Rap don't really exist yet. So what do you play? Oh, no, rap was out then in 82. In that, when I was 15, that was in 82. Okay. Right? That was in 82. All right, 82. Right. Yeah. Well, so, so, you know, African band bottling was out. Plan, on a national level, rap. though, you had just a few. Oh, yeah, Run yeah, DMC I mean, came out. Run DMC wasn't out yet. Early? They came out in 83. 83. Yeah, this was okay. 82. Uh, run, but you had people like uh, a nucleus, uh, 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 jam on it, yeah. jam on it. Uh, it was still dancing. Uh, I mean, we're not jam on it, but you had wiggy, 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 wiggy. Yeah, all that stuff coming. Uh, but 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 you had a lot of groups coming out of New York, like like Africa Bambada on mm -hmm. that style around that period, around '82. It okay. was like that era was. Yeah, and, it was uh, dance music, but it was and, totally different than what your mom and dad were ever listening right, yeah. to. Right? <laughs> it wasn't nothing. Like that, but yeah. yeah, I mean, but that's what I was playing for. So, what's the next step? Where do you go from there? You do that for a while, 15, 16, 17, 18. You know, you like DJing, you had wrote a song already as a child, but hadn't really explored that just yet. What, what's the next step in the evolution of man? Well, in the 80s, like Tokyo in 82, that's when I ran into Iceman mm -hmm. at WLCS, and uh, we clicked. So, you know, things just going on, you know, I'm, you know, just doing what I do. I'm living, you know, still doing my craft and stuff. And in the 80, summer of 83, I went home. And uh, that's when Run DMC, and as soon as I made it there, Run DMC was on radio. It's, yeah. it's like they dropped the same day I made it there. And, uh, excuse me, and everybody was going crazy over there. It just took them by storm. <clears throat> and while I was there, then I got to realize there was more talent there than just Run DMC. Sure. You know what I'm saying? That's when I, you know, the Fat Boys was going around doing shows and stuff before they even came out. You know, I, mm -hmm. I knew who they was because I went back home and they was doing shows. And stuff. Okay. They haven't came out yet though nationally, yeah. right? 
So, uh, yeah, a lot of them, man, like that when I went back there in 83. And before you know it, they all became, I'm talking about Houdini, all them, before they bust out. You know what I'm saying? Then they bust out, and I was like, okay, good. And, you know, had all that stuff yeah. for this cat. And that made him more popular. You know what I'm saying? Because I was giving him stuff that nobody was getting, and it wasn't coming here yeah. no time soon. How long did you stay up there? You just I went up there visit? for the summer. Yeah, it was like uh -huh. a summer visit. And you come back with everything you could find. <laughs> All gotcha. the mixtapes, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back then up there, you could probably just take the radio and bring down something it. they never heard of. Yeah, because like, we was doing that too. Yeah. You know, WBLS with uh, Mr. Magic and Molly Mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. And, uh, visiting up there, coming back down here, uh, still DJing. What marks the transformation into um, exploring different things? Because you never, I mean, you kind of stepped away from singing, but now you're back to singing t t today, you know what I'm right, saying? So right, right. what was the genesis for the change? Uh, for me to change from rapper to singer? Yeah. Okay, you want to go up there? You want to you, you well, go, I mean, go way up there? Because I'm going to take you up there and then we got to come back. Well, how far, how far <laughs> down two, the road? Th two th that was 2000 and... In six. Oh, okay. That's when I transitioned from when I just stopped rapping and. Well, let's stay with the rap stuff something. and then we'll get to that stuff. Like okay, yeah, yeah. That's a big gap. I don't try <laughs> right, to jump right, that far. Right, right, right. Your Tarantino right. film. You're like, where are we? Like? <laughs> right. So, okay, so uh, walk me a little bit further. You're coming back with stuff that people have never heard of. Right, right. I'm talking that all that stuff, man. That Fat Boy stuff, the Houdini stuff. Everything, because I was going home every summer. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm 84, I'm going, I'm bringing stuff back. 86, that's when Rakim came out. Yes. I'm bringing all that stuff back. Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, I was doing my thing down here. Now, what did that consist of? It's still DJing? I was, uh, no, in 83, 83, when I hooked up with the Ice Man, I said, you know, and I thought about uh, Marley Maul and Mr. Magic, how they do their thing on the radio, and I seen there's nobody really doing it down here. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I said, okay, let me look up with Ice. And I, I wrote this song called The Fresh Mix. And it was talking about me and the Ice Man. And, and he liked it so much, he made it his theme song before he come on. Mm -hmm. And I was using that Run DMC beat, Sucker MC. Uh -huh. You know? And, and they, loved, they loved it so much, they made it the hottest song on the radio to where they put it in the mix. And it was in rotation. Uh -huh. Yeah, and that, and that was my first song on the radio in 83. How did you meet him? Uh, through the radio station. You met him through the radio station? Yep. Oh, okay. I, I knew Jazzmore was the DJ. Okay, the previous DJ before him. The previous before DJ him. before him, gotcha. and he was the one to replace Jazzmore. So he, he, they started using him here and there and there and there and there until Jazzmore got ready to leave and then he took over Jazzmore spot. So I was already affiliated with them, but not really with him, but with Jazzmore. Because of the previous DJ. You knew the previous DJ, right. so you'd be around there. Right. Got to meet the new cat coming in. Right. He's more open to rap. You're bringing right. the material. Right. All right, dipping, you, dipping your feet in, trying right. to see where you belong in there. Right. Okay. Right. So I guess that had just encouraged you unbelievably to keep trying, keep doing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, I, I mean, I met him over the phone first. You know what I'm saying? And then I went down there. Uh -huh. And that's when it just clicked up. You know? And then he didn't live too far from me. Yeah. So I could just walk up the street to his house once I realized where he lived at. Mm -hmm. He's over there. He got, he got this one room. We have his turntable set up, and that's where he, 
He played his music and stuff when he at home chilling. He turned me on to a lot of good music, like Michael Franks. You know, he turned me on to Michael Franks. I've been listening to Michael Franks ever since. He turned me on to a lot of good jazz, Earl Clube, okay. Kenny G. Yeah. You know, he turned me on to a lot of that good music, man, back in the day. I got you. you know? Now, um, what becomes Iceman's interest in working with you, like to what degree? What do y'all end up doing? Well, I, I became, you know, I mean, we, you know, we travel together. You know what I'm saying? I was like, his MC, you let me get on the mic, do my thing, you know, boom, 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 I bust a rap or I'll blow the beatbox. Mm -hmm. Nobody was really, because Fat Boys ain't came out to 84. Uh huh. Right? 84. I know eras. I don't 80, know. It's specific date, uh, dates. 85. <clears throat> Nationally, they came out, I think, it was 84, 85. It was one of them. Uh, I know Crush Groove came out in 85, mm -hmm. and that's when they introduced all of them in the movie. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen Crush yeah, Groove. Yeah, yeah, okay. several times. Uh, well, that was I, had the, I got the Fat Boys cassette tape in my house somewhere. Oh, wow. in the I attic need to get a copy of the garage. That. Is that, yeah, yeah, I need to get a copy of that, man. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, uh, around that time, when I put my first record out and boom, boom, the popularity grew, I'm traveling with Iceman, we going to high schools, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now, he was, he was working at the radio station as a regular DJ. Right. They would have him on. All right, so, and he's just, he's spinning songs and doing some cutting and scratching in between. Like, how was that working? Uh, he wasn't really cutting just yet on the radio. Uh-huh. He wasn't, I can't really remember him doing that on the radio. But I can, uh, you know, in the clubs. Yeah. <laughs> he had this club we went to called Images, man. He was a DJ there every night, man. And, uh, you know, he, we, we uh, eventually he formed this little thing called the Ice Pack. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that was what we were called at the time. And, uh, and, and it just went from there. Yeah. You know, it just went from there. Um, all right. So it became easy for you to try out new material. It probably inspired you to write as well. Right. So, I mean, it was, he was real instrumental in your kind of coming into your own, so to speak. Right, right. Yeah. And, I, and I've, I think I fell away from the ice pack sometime in 84. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? Because you know me, I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm a trendsetter. I'm, you know, I'm trying to make things. I don't really follow, follow, follow. You know, I try to be a leader, 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 because that's what I'm used to. Sure. You know? So, uh, you know, I broke away from them and, uh, and got more into my dancing. You know, but but that was in '83. You know, when my dancing, you know, and I won my first talent show and all that type of stuff, and we started winning a lot of stuff. My uh, my homeboy, Mike Mike Ashia, he's you know he's dead now. You know, R.I.P. to Mike. Um, you know, he was my partner. We won. We just won just about everything. Nobody could beat us, man. Yeah. And uh, and uh, we lost. We lost one event, right? And uh, then, these, then these other cats tied us up, you know, they, it was a tie, you know, that type of thing. So, but other than that, me and him, we was killing it, man. Nobody could beat us, nobody. I'm talking when they come to the pop lock, routines and all that, we was killing them. Man. And where was this taking place? What kind of functions? Who was? Like, they, they used to do these, these basketball things, you know, these one-on-one -on -one things or these three-on-threes and stuff like that. And they would have contests. This is when pop locking was, sure. you know, really just jumping off. And everybody yeah. loved it. They wanted to see it. And, uh, and I mean, talent shows, other events, you know, people was the bookers to come dance and all that type of stuff, man. Yeah. It was, yeah, those were some good times back then. Yeah. You know. Okay, so um, at this time, Iceman was still doing the same thing. You just kind of moved on into a different area for right. a while. Right, right. What came after um, the experiences that you, I should say, what 
came of the experiences that you gained um, dancing with competitions? I mean, there's things that you pick up in, during the course of your life that maybe they're not relevant at that time, but you take note, you don't forget, and right. you end up using them down the road. You know right. what I'm saying? Well, actually, when I started rapping, really got into the rap, I left the dancing alone. Mm -hmm. it, just, it was over for me. And uh, I started paying more attention to my rap craft and the music craft. Uh -huh. And that's what it was. How old are we talking? Uh, this was, uh, uh, and it's like, it's, it's like everything started around, you know, either the end of 83 or the beginning of 83 or the end, or the end of 84. I mean, the beginning of 84, it was around that time because I formed a group called Reality. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think the early part of 84. And, uh, and, and, and that's the group, you know, that got, we, we, we got that record deal. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, they put our record out in 85. Uh, we had one of the very first citywide talent show. And uh, what they did was, um, you know, they auditioned a lot of people. And we were so good that they, they used us to be, I'm sorry, they used, they used us to be the mascot you know, to, to take us to all the colleges and high schools to promote the citywide talent show. Gotcha. And, every, and we were like a group like the Fat Boys. Uh, you know, we had uh, this kid named Ernest Smith Jr. He was, we called him Rhythm Rock because he could, uh -huh. I mean, so could I. You know, I think I was actually better, but I let him have that spot, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Because I really didn't want to be doing it. And uh, so we were something of the Fat Boys. If you've seen us, we remind you of them. And, um, Everywhere they took us to, <clears throat> everywhere, we turned it out, man. People gave us standing ovations, man. I mean, it was wild. That's cool. And uh, the place was sold out. It was packed. It was in Southern University's Union Hall. Mm -hmm. It was so many people there. The fire people had to come. Fire march came until you cut said, Shut no, it down. <laughs> no, they didn't shut it down. Oh, they good. said no more people can go in. Oh, I got you. And they waited out there and made sure no more people. I mean, bro, I'm talking... The hallway was packed. I mean, you got you, know, you got to come through the doors to get into the union. Yeah, I'm talking about the, the, the people who know behind the doors in the union. The hall, there's a big old hallway that goes way down to the front door. All that was packed, and they had the doors open where people could just see. Yeah, it was wild, and everybody who was somebody at that time who got record deals or whatever coming up out of here eventually later on was in that talent show. That was the one, and they saved us for last. When I tell you, <laughs> when we came out there, man, man, them people went crazy, man. And when we got through, they really went crazy. The crowd just erupted. Everybody stood up. And we did that song, Missing Kids, off of that song, off the Fat Boy song. Can uh -huh. you feel it? Boom, 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 boom. That's when we did that Missing Kids song off of that. And I mean, they just went. And that's when the, the, these record producers approached us from Royal Shield Records. And he said, hey man, we want to sign y'all. You know what I'm saying? And so we had the meeting, went down there, met with them, boom, 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 boom. And the rest is history. Played out like a movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I mean Kuiper was in that. Everybody was in that talent show back then. Wow. You know, B-Lo and them, all of them was in that, uh, that talent show, man. Anybody who made something out of themselves a day that was around that time. Sure. You know, uh, was in that talent show. Kuiper. That's an old name. He blew up, dude. Yeah, Kyber was the first one out of my clique to go gold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Because when you think back to the beginning of all of this, it wasn't 
it wasn't like, of course it wasn't like the rap we hear today, but it, it wasn't even like the rap that some people think they know is, uh, I, I guess, the first style of music for rap. Like rap was born out of dance music, honestly. And it, I mean, they kind of intertwined for a minute and, and formed its own thing. And uh, What do you mean by using, dance music? Well, I mean, you think about Dr. Dre, like when, when he got his start, well, before he started uh, his own thing, he was wearing sequins and shoulder pads and playing... Tight stuff. He had tight clothes on. Tight clothes. Uh, dance music, but it was, it was like... Um, I, I know I keep saying dance music, but it was like... It was the same style coming out of Miami, and uh, it was like a... It, it wasn't... Like we think of like run right. No, it wasn't hip hop. It wasn't right. like right. Sugar Hill right. Gang. It wasn't any of those right. things. But the DJs came right. from this previous, right. you know, um, dance music that I can right. I can't describe too well. Right. But I understand what you're talking about. It's though. funny how it changed over time mm. and became something so much harder. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, rap rap went from fundamentally uh, hip hop. You know, we talk about parties, having fun, boom boom. And 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 then and, and, and then it went to rap, turned into rap, and you know that's when your Easy E's and all them started coming out, you know, with the gangster rap and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But you had some gangsters in New York, but they just weren't nationally known, you know, like Easy and when they came out. But um, uh, and then and then here comes you know the trap music. Yeah. Know, it, trap. It's it's forked off 50, 50 times since then. But you know, you bring up a good point. I, I remember as a child, see, like, you, I started off with rap music to me was uh, Run DMC. I had the Run DMC cassette. Right. And I right. had, like I told you, the Fat Boys Crushing right. cassette. Right, all that was fundamental. And that was rap to me. And then it seemed like, because you got to realize, when NWA came out, it changed, in my eyes, rap forever oh it now did. now rap did this yeah it did it wasn't just a fad it it launched a whole new vein and it became something different now I mean, rap is not just rap anymore they got gangster rap and they got hip-hop and then they got conscious rap after that like there, there's so many different um branches you know, on this tree you know you know why um gangster rap did what it did and still doing what it's doing it's because Easy and them was the first ones to go national talking about killing each other mm -hmm. and selling dope. Yeah. So that, I believe that's the image that the industry wanted us to have because they felt like, you know, you know. Drama sells more records. Yeah. Fuck the yeah. police and yeah. all that other all stuff. That. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, now it's to the point where we're not actually just talking about killing each other. We're doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we were killing each other anyway before, uh, I'm, I'm going to say before Easy e Sure. It, was, it wasn't just at a, the rate that it is now. Right. You know, it's, it's well, people very are emulating old. now. It's getting glorified and yeah. imitated right. by people a whole right. lot. And these youngsters, that's, that's what they believe in. Yeah. You know, they believe in that, man. And they, they feeling like, you know, I'm like, come on, man. Don't y'all want to live? Right. You know, what's, what's really going on? I mean, y'all don't want to live? Yeah. And that's all I keep hearing myself saying, but y'all don't want to live. Living life is the, the best gift of all. Yeah. You know, why sure. would you want to die? Right. You know, and not be here anymore. 
you know, leave your loved ones and, and you know, leave that pain on them because they're, they're, they ain't pain. When they, you know, when you get killed and your loved ones are going to, they're the ones going to suffer. Yeah, there's nothing left. There's, there's nothing not, left of you. Um, but, a, but a memory. Yeah. To, um, what were you able to do with your intentions, with your message, what were you able to do after that talent competition? Uh, we got the deal. We signed the deal. Uh, uh, we were on CNN. Uh, and it was Royal Shield, you said? Royal Shield Records. Uh-huh. Uh, and we were on CNN, and uh, this lady, uh, Joanne Currier, who was the uh, founder of the Missing Children Foundation, mm -hmm. uh, or Child Keepers Foundation, that's okay. what it was, I'm sorry. And she was best friends of Nancy Reagan at the time, because Ronald Reagan was the president. And, uh, you know, we like I said, we was on CNN. I wish I could get that footage. You know, is anybody Somebody. Dig, digging them archives? And Somebody get that, get that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and uh, and it was a big thing, man. And uh, the, uh, the the governor's assistant or whoever they were mm -hmm. came and waters with a plaque and stuff and all of that. It was a big thing, man. We was uh, the first hit billboard down here. It's like everywhere that song went. And then Atlanta Child's murder was, was happening. I don't know if you don't remember that, but it's called Atlanta Child Murders. You can Google it, whatever. And uh, that was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so the song never got a chance, really, to, 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 to break nationally because, <clears throat> because of some things that was going on. And uh, the owner pulled it. But before he pulled it, the song was going everywhere, man. And it was like number one on a radio station in a matter of a week or two weeks. We did these PSAs, public service announcements, because back then the children was being taken everywhere. Uh -huh. And uh, but the child murder thing was happening in Atlanta. And I knew if that song would have hit Atlanta. The time all that was going on. Right. It would have just come an anthem. Yeah. What do you think happened for real? Like, do you think uh, the, the issue overshadowed the, the song itself? Or? Yeah, it did, because uh, it was money involved. And, and, the, and, you know, from what I heard, you know, uh, I'm not gonna, I ain't gonna say nobody's name or nothing like that. So it was, it was, a, it was a back end issue, like a business issue. It wasn't like a national, uh, national issue where. No, it wasn't a national issue. It was, okay. it was, a, it was a in house issue. In house, that's a good way to put you know it. What I'm saying, yeah. and it, it was, and you know, a hundred thousand dollars came up missing. Okay. You know, but but before that happened, Iceman was one of the DJs. They had him in L.A. in place to break the song with the with the, with the nice. top. Yeah. The top radio station out there. They had them set up in New York and Atlanta. They had them set up, man. Yeah. I mean, it was just about to break, and it was crazy because I think the day before they was gonna break it, that's when he pulled it. Oh man! Everybody came back. Yeah. I said, "Wow, we was that close." Right. I said, and then when we cut that record, every major label wanted us. Mm -hmm. Every major label. Even a child, even a missing kids foundation mm -hmm. said they wanted to take the song, press it up, make it their national anthem, mm -hmm. and distribute it worldwide for us. Imagine that. And these same people mm -hmm. that was involved with taking the money yeah. said no, turned everybody down, and was thinking about their pockets. Yeah. Thinking about how much money they could make if they when they seen all this happening. Yeah. And Pulled it. They, they made the wrong move when they took the money. If they wouldn't have took the money, 
I think I would have. And then we all would have got paid. Right, right. But they just kept making bad decisions, man. Now, how did you find out that uh, everything was shut down at that point, so to speak? Through the Homer Schiller, the owner himself. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, as a result, the label is no more, or... Well, it, it, Your Schiller, particular deal is no more, or the whole label? Not, you know how long ago that was? Yeah. But, uh... Homer Schiller passed, his son, everything went down to his son. So, and he just, I mean, everything's out of business. You gotcha. know, Because he had a, a, a Purple Shield uh, insurance company. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, when Homer passed away, everything, I mean, but yeah, everything just. So what do you do at that point? How old are you now? You're like 17, 18? I was about 19, right? 19. And at the time, Homer was ready to do something with me solo. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember, for some reason, that didn't even go through. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to remember why that didn't even go through. But, yeah. you know, I think I was 19 at the time. But then eventually, I just, uh, after that happened, I just took a break. For sure. I took, I, I took I, no, no, I didn't take a break then. I'm sorry. I thought we was talking about the other deal that I got after that. But, uh, but after that, after that happened, I just kept moving. I just kept going on. You know, just doing things, you know, my craft, uh, winning talent shows and stuff still. They, they be having a good I would, I would have thought you would have took a break, honestly, because that's discouraging no, it's to coming. see things it's coming. fall <laughs> apart in your hands, you know. It, it, you know, I guess it really didn't affect me like that, affect me like that, because, you know, I was who I was, and I'm going to still keep doing what I do. You know, sure. okay, this ain't happening no more. It was good while it lasted. But I, I went on tour with some of the, the biggest stars. You know what I'm saying? For like six months. Yeah. You know, in 86. You know? That's a lot. That's a lot. For somebody starting out, that's the, that's necessary mm -hmm. to see how the pros do, you know? Right. right. So, um, so where did you go from there? If you didn't take a break, what were you doing next? Uh, touring. Uh, we was on this six-month tour with uh, Roger Troutman and Zab, uh, Ready for the World, Lisa Lisa Cult Jam, uh, uh, the L.A. Dream Team. And who was we? Uh, the group Reality. Okay, so y'all stayed together. Yeah, we and were still together. Then. Moved around together. Right, we were still together right. then. And uh, and I know eventually <clears throat> somebody because because Roger Troutman wanted to sign us to his label, and uh, we was talking about that. You know, we was working on that and everything, but you know, we had some in-house problems with the group. You know, concerning management. All that type of thing. The manager that they wanted to manage them. I didn't want to manage me because that manager didn't have no manager. Business, business problems. Right. You yeah. know, that, that person was just trying to get in where they fit in because they know this is a big thing here. And, mm -hmm. and it just tripped me out because I'm the one put it all together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's funny how people want to come in and try to take over what you created. Now, at 19 <laughs> years old, I'm assuming you're dealing with older people. Yes. At 19 years old. How is it that you are seeing through some of these waves? I mean, it's just... It's a long know, time ago. I know that's a, a specific I mean, question, but something <laughs> had to stand out where they just told on themselves. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, if you're trying to do something that you have no experience in, that's obvious to see. Yeah. You know, uh, don't get me wrong. You know, I made a lot of mistakes, too. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I was kind of arrogant. Big headed, you know. So you were nineteen. <laughs> That's been nineteen years old. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm guilty. Yeah, you're guilty of being nineteen. Like, you're guilty of being nineteen. So, uh, uh, 
I just kept doing my thing, doing my thing. And then in, you know, 1987, I did a song called Feel My Wrath. Man, I wish I'd have done it the original way because it had that rock guitar in there. That's, that sucker was a monster. Yeah. And, uh, and Guy Brody and, him and, and the guy from D&D Records loved it so much. That's why he wanted to come sign me up, you know, so. But I didn't do it that way. I did it a different way. And, and, and you know, and I regret it. And I also regret uh, one thing. I remember when Manny was in the studio with me and I was working on it, you know, trying to, the, the, here comes the arrogance, right? So uh, I'm in there, boom, 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 boom and Manny said, uh, maybe you should do it. And I said, man, I got this. <laughs> For everybody out there, Manny Fresh. Manny Fresh, yeah. Who might, yeah. might have known a thing or two at the time. Right, right. Yeah. Thank, thanks for saying that. Manny Fresh, right, right. And, uh, and I, I, that's the biggest regret I ever had because he was only trying to help me. Sure. But me being arrogant, thinking I got this and I know what I'm doing, I kind of brushed him off. Yeah. You know? That's the only thing I regret with that's that. That's a fine line to walk, man, because we all try to be independent as artists. Uh, as artists, we're trying to express ourselves. Right. So it's hard to let other people into collaborate, you know what I'm right, saying? If you right. got a vision, it's a hard sell for somebody to come in and say, no, you, maybe your vision isn't your vision. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's hard to say. I wouldn't, yeah. I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't hold that as a regret. Oh, that's, well, just, that's part of growing up. That's part of figuring you. out things, you know? We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, what's up, everybody? Normally, in the middle of podcasts, they give you a bunch of advertisements. But on the NewOrleansMusicians.com podcast, we like to shout out our local musicians. So if you're a solo artist or part of a band living in Louisiana and would like to get your shout out, this is your chance. Text 504-708-4923 or email us at neworleansmusicians at gmail.com. It's 100% free, it's easy to do, and it puts your talent in front of a large audience. So once again, that's 504-708-4923 or email us at neworleansmusicians at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And now back to our show. Tell us about, um, tell us about Manny Fresh because, I mean, it, this goes everywhere, but it, it started um, in New Orleans. This website, this podcast, this okay. video channel, YouTube channel. So, I mean, a lot of people out there, fans, are going to want to hear about how things started with Manny Fresh, how you knew him. I met Manny through uh, this, this cat they call B-Lo. You know, he's doing uh, Southern Soul now called the Bruce, the Bruce Wayne Project or something like that. But B-Lo, just to get back to him, uh, his real name is Bruce Moore. And I'm going to take his back. I'm going to skip for a minute. I'm going to skip back just a little bit. All right. He was my dancing partner, him and my little cousin, Alan Charles. Okay. B-Lo lived in Arnwood Apartments, and my cousin lived across the street in Burr Station. And... Uh, you know, we had a little dancing group. You know, we put a little dancing group together. And early, it was either late 83, which I'm thinking it probably was, or early 84. Mm-hmm. It was in between that time. And uh, we were a group. And we would go to uh, places and, and, and perform and stuff. And uh, we would do a, a routine ourselves. And then they would do a little routine together him and AC, and I would get on the mic and rap, mm-hmm. right? So I remember one time when I got off the mic, Bruce Bilo, he looked at me and said, man, I want to learn how to rap. That's what I want to do, I want to learn how to rap. So I told him, well, you know, just start off learning how to rhyme. Just rhyme, just rhyme, just practice rhyming. Once you get your flow together, once you develop your flow, then you can write 
what you want to write about? I said, but you got to develop that flow. Yeah. That's why I said you got to just practice rhyming. You develop. So, you know, and uh, eventually, you know, we split up till we stopped doing that little thing. But then he pursued with the rap. That's when he started with the rapping. And uh, so, yeah, you know, I ain't going to say years, but. Uh, and now he, you know, you know, from from um, I'm trying not to jump to the future, but but back then, that's how he got started. Let me yeah. just say that through me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was he was kind of the medium between you and Manny, meeting Manny Fresh. That was later on. I that, got you. That was in 87. Right. So you had a history with this cat that knew Manny, and then you eventually met well, Manny? He, well, he didn't know Manny then when we first hooked up. Sure. You know, we were young, you know, and we was, we was boys. I used to hang with him. We was boys. He met Manny around 87, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, he told me Manny was his DJ. Uh, so that's how we got, because I always knew him. And when we all got the deal, you know, Manny came to the studio with us mm-hmm. in 87, C-Saint recording studio. C-Saint, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, what project were y'all working? Were y'all there to work on a specific project? Y'all we was working on just our getting singles. time over there? He was working, working on our singles. Okay. Uh, I was working on my song called Feel My Wrath. And... Uh, B Lolan was working. They, they, they changed their name to the Biting MCs. So they, they was actually. <laughs> I don't know. Not about bad, that, dog, but, <laughs> but it's funny. It's funny then, it's funny now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, for example, they took they took uh, the BC Boys song, Brad's Monkey Turn. Yeah. And they, they kept the beat, the music and everything. They just named it something else and was singing the same rhythm. I just can't remember the words they were saying. But I remember when they did the LL song over uh, I Need I Need Love. I Need Love. They called it I Need Money. Uh-huh. Money. Money. So they did them two songs. They did two songs. You know, I actually did one. But uh, they were called the Biting MCs, you know. And, uh, you know, and then they had Star and Celebrity. Uh, I put this female group together. One was from Scotland, one was from uh, Baker. And I gave them their names and everything. And then, he, and then eventually D&D signed them up. That, yeah. Is that somebody that was working out of C-Saint with y'all at that time? No, the girls weren't there. Okay. The girls got signed up later. See, I got signed up first, and then B-Lo them got signed up. Through who? Through Guy, through Guy Brody to D&D Records. Okay. To D&D Records from out of Los Angeles. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So you were, you were at uh, C-Saint recording work for D&D. to send them. Got right. you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you said that was one song, two songs? I did one song. They did two songs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's what it was at the time. I got you. Mm-hmm. And um, so did y'all's paths cross again, you and Manny Fresh? After that, nope. That was just well, a yes, chance. Yes, that yes, was, after, yeah, that man, was a chance meeting, though. No, that no, wasn't no, like, we pat, no, we, no, no. We, <clears> paths, <throat> yeah, we, we crossed paths again because when they got signed, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, when they come and do shows down this way, whatever, 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 I was still with D and D. So when D, when wherever Manny Fresh and them performed at, we was there. Gotcha. You know, Being them. on the same way. Yeah, with them because I was, you know. Yeah, gotcha. Was there. Okay. I, I might have didn't perform, but I was there. Yeah. You know, I was even there at a time when uh, one of my boys that I knew grew up with his sister was wild, hot and ass. Right. I'm sorry, I mean, <laughs> but that's what she was, and. And she went in there with, with, with Manny and Gregory D&M, and they ran a train on her. Oh, <laughs> And 
when she come out of there, when her brother found out that she was up in there and they was in there running a train on her, he was outside crying like he wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. And Gregory D and him, right? So, but but she that's what she wanted. She she and uh, I think about three or four of them was in there running a train on her. And uh, so when she came out of there, she seen her brother. She uh, yelled rape. Right. She hollered rape. Imagine that. Yeah, and the police came, mm-hmm. took Manning in the jail, Gregory D and M, yeah, and David Moses bailed him out. You know, as soon as they went in and got Judy Prosser, then he bailed right on out, you know what I'm saying? But then eventually the girl dropped everything because she knew she was wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Manning them came out good on that. What was your, so what was your time like with D&D? What were you able to accomplish through them? Did they, did they help you out? D&D screwed me, man. D&D no, <laughs> no help whatsoever. <laughs> D&D screwed me, man. Uh, they made a lot of money off of me, man, and off of the artists. You know, see, as far as I'm concerned, Star and Celebrity were a group that I put together. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if any, I didn't get no finder's fee or nothing for them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and I remember one, one day my boy hit me up. He was a DJ from from somewhere, uh, he was from Michigan, Detroit, or somewhere like that, but he was going to Southern University, and he was a popular DJ at the clubs down here at the time. And he just hit me up one day, he said, hey man, he called me. He said, man, look, come over here, I gotta show you something. So I, you know, I rushed over there, and boom, he lived in Mall City at the time, so I went to Mall City, and uh, he showed me, they, you know, back in the day, they had these music books or whatever, whatever, and they'd show uh, uh, the song, what songs are doing good, where, and all that type of okay, stuff. Okay, like Charles Billboard, Charles. Right, yeah, right, okay. right. He had one of them books, and he, he just took it, and he just sat in front of me, and he pointed, and I seen my song, and then right across, it tells you how many units mm-hmm. it moved, right? Pole star. Yeah. Probably a pole and star I, magazine. I was number four on the chart. Mm-hmm. And when I looked inside, it said 75,000 units, right? So, and that was just in Buffalo, New York. That was just in Buffalo. I, I don't know where else. Yeah. And I'm sure they released that song in many places. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then they made 75,000, and that was like in a week's time. Mm-hmm. And my boy was like, man, you need a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm, I, I never confronted them people. I mean, it was just never nothing until... I don't even know if David Moses is still alive or not, but I know Swamp Dog is. Swamp Dog is the one who started off MC Breeze, mm-hmm. MC Breed career. You heard of MC Breed? MC Breed, yeah. yeah. He was the first one that had a, uh, 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 as a solo artist when Pop became a solo artist. Mm-hmm. He was the first one to get Pop on a, a duet type thing, uh-huh. a feature, a feature. But uh, MC Breed, uh, Swamp Dog was Swamp Dog and David Moses were the two cats behind D and D. You know, but Swamp tries to pretend like it's just mainly with David. I said, no, it was you two. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he put Breed out, but Breed, Breed made him a millionaire. MC Breed made him a millionaire. And uh, So things kind of went south with your time at D&D. And um, eventually, I, I'm guessing you figured you had to part ways, but just do your own thing. Yeah. I also wanted to say, when I was with D&D, they had a group called High Five. Uh-huh. Uh, people know who I'm talking about. Uh, they were signed to D&D at one time. So we, we were all actually uh, label mates, you know, but, uh-huh. they, but they, their manager worked hard for them and hard for them. And then they got away from D&D and they got a, a major little deal and Teddy Riley produced them. And I was tripped out because I, I had, after that, I had took a break. After the D&D stuff and all that stuff, 88, I went home in the 88. Mm-hmm. Back, I went back home to New York, and when I got home, 
I think the next year in 89, uh, it was one of them years, I think it was late 89, I see high five. <laughs> you know, with the kissing game, they blowing up. You know, uh -huh. like, wow, I said, yeah, them cats. But anyway, you know. Born under the bridge. I, I took, yeah, I, I took a break, went home in 88. Stayed there for three years. What, uh, during your time there, did anything have you itching to get back into Man, I mean, music? Because, I, I mean, I think people leave the game sometimes, but they never really leave music in their mind or their heart. You know what I mean? I ain't going to lie to you. I didn't, I didn't give up on the music when I went back home. Uh, I was just tired of where I was. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to take a break from that. And, uh, and when I went home, you know, I'm back in the studio, in, in my family's studio. And, uh, and uh, I did a little demo, you know. I did a little demo. It was pretty cool. Uh, my cats I hung out with, they were rappers too. You know, they, they was work the same studio. They was working on their album. Um, <clears throat> so what happened was uh, they took my song. They had a meeting with this cat f from Beacon that knew my mother as well. And uh, they took my song. And their material, they went down there, and I didn't go. This was an Uptown. This is Uptown Records. This is where okay. uh, Andre Harrell, this is where Puff Daddy come from. Mm -hmm. Everybody signed to them, Heavy D, Mary J, all them, all them, all them. Now, when they went there, the cat offered us a deal. They came back with two contracts, one for them and one for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, right around the time, I think, uh, uh, Father MC just got signed. Uh, Mary J uh, just got signed. Um, uh, a whole a few more of them. Um, 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 Jodeci okay. just got signed. Now we could have signed too. We could have signed and just got signed, right? And uh, but when we <laughs> the contracts, I said, damn, they signed these same contracts. The contracts was robbing you. Yeah. Just, just. Yeah, I mean, wow. Mm -hmm. the contracts was just no good, right, for the artist. So what so came of it? You we didn't, didn't sign, sign. We and didn't sign. the the group itself didn't sign either. They didn't sign either. Nah, man. Mm -mm. Yeah. Nah. So and I remember uh, uh, I went back home not too long ago. I hollered at my boy. I said, "Say, bro, just imagine if we'd signed them same contract." I said, "Look at them today." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, they all blew up. I said, imagine we just signed a contract. You know, I said we probably didn't ate for a while because they did that the new. I was edition. about to say it's exposure, but at what price? You never, you never right. can't tell what that price is going right. to be. Right. I mean, we ate for doing shows. You know what I'm saying? Stuff yeah. like that. You know, but you could get exposure and end up O and M in the end. It happens to people all the time. So right. you just don't know what it's going to cost. Happened to the best of them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's it right. Happened to the best of them, man. But uh, you know, so we could have been signed with Uptown. But we chose not to. Yeah. You know, that was in 89. So at this point, how do you have any faith in the business of music? <laughs> wow, very disappointed, man, in the business of music. Um, I just, you know, like, I just kept doing my thing. And um, I came back, you know, in 91. Mm -hmm. I came back here in 91. And... uh they had a talent, no, no, in 1990, okay. they had a talent show. I came down here for the summer. I came to visit my mama. I came down here to visit my mama. I said, you know what? I said, I'm gonna go. they had a talent show at Struma High. That's the high school I went to. I said, I'm going to go get in this talent show. I ain't got nothing else to do. So I went and I rocked the talent show, and that's what this kid named MC Nero 
was in the audience. He was a student at the time, or maybe he just came to the talent show. But he was young then, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so I'm thinking he was a student. And I remember one day he approached me and he said, hey man, I knew what I wanted to be the time I seen you rap yeah. at, at the Stream of Talent show. He said, when I seen he said, that's what I want to be, a rapper. He the only one really gave me my flowers, man. You know, A lot of people don't know, but now they're getting to know. Sure. Because of the documentary <clears throat> and interviews like this now. You know, so now they, they're getting to know who, who it was and what it is. Yeah. Um, you took a break for a while. Did it, uh, were you able to return? You can't unsee all the shit you saw. Put it that way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's going to affect you moving forward, hopefully in a positive light. You know, not right. bitter, but smarter. You know what right. I'm saying? Um, a, a wiser person in general. Um, did it help you out? I mean, you went through years of, of uh, problems. You know what I'm saying? But did it help you make better steps in the future? Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to tell you one thing. Let me sum it up like this. A lot of my friends are dead and gone mm -hmm. because of choices and decisions they made. Sure. And that's what life is all about. The choices and the decisions you make can be fatal. Sure. You know, so, you know, me coming up, I was offered a lot of stuff, you know, by people, hey, man, let me put you on, let me put you on, let me get you right. I kept telling them no. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Nah, that ain't. Now I'm coming. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to stay away from that. You well, know? music kept you out of that. But oh. the, the problems that you saw in music is what I was kind of speaking on. You couldn't unsee, you know, a little oh, corruption yeah. here no, or no. a big buildup and a disappointment here or, you know, not quite what you're looking for right. in uptown, like all these different things. Right. But you still kept your interest, you still harbor this interest in music, you still wanted to do it. I mean, right. I don't know how you feel, but for me, writing music is the one thing I've always done for no reason at all but my own, myself. Right. You know what I'm well, saying? You don't, need, you don't need the bag to, to write. You, go, no. you want to write, to write. You know it's what a I'm passion. Saying? Exactly. I have a passion, man. I, you know, I started when I was young. I was about three, four years old. Yeah. So it was a passion, and I still got it to this day. That's why I told you earlier, I said, this is not a public studio. <laughs> this yeah. is in-house this is for me sure. and whatever I want to do and who I want to deal with you know what I'm saying it's the passion man if you don't have the passion you know, you'll, you'll give it up yeah um, so moving moving on from 91 you back down here back down here seen a lot did a lot right but you're still at square one essentially right. you haven't really we well, haven't had anybody vouch right for you yet like some other people have um, what do you do where do you go well, I mean, you know, we start this radio, I mean radio, we start this record label down here, uh, and I'm one of the artists on it, and uh, it's called 360, that was in uh, 92, I think when we started that, no, it had to be 90, it was around, nine, I guess, somewhere around there, 92, 91, 92, uh -huh. um, and uh, had this group called the Vibe Tribe, this time we were a live band, mm. you know what I'm saying, you know, and I'm the, the lead vocalist right and uh we're doing our thing man we cut a song and all that you know it's the radios get a lot of airplay and uh and, and and that's where we was at that time you know and and doing work in the studio and i'm bringing people in and out of the studio and now what style of music is this that you're doing this oh, vibe tribe thing was different man it's vibe tribe Cause we had, I had all live players, you know. I had two keyboard players, I had a, had a drummer, I had a, a bass player, 
and I had a, a, a guitar player, and it was, we was on, I wish I had the music knowledge here, we was on something different, man, but, um, you know, people liked it, you know. And you were singing? And I was, I was, wow, what was I doing? I was, <laughs> I was actually, I was doing a little of both. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was, I was, I would, it was like I was rapping a song, uh, not like the rap style, but like a rap singing style, and then I would sing the hooks. Mm -hmm. That's what I was doing. And um, this was your first time in front of uh, instrumental? A band? Yeah. No. Okay. Matter of fact, see, I forgot all about that back in... Uh, 1980, whoa, how long ago was that, 85, 86, I was doing a lot of little things, man. And yeah. I, I was in the first band I was in was called the Cat Band. Uh, that was uh, Erica Gayran, R.I.P. to Erica, R.I.P. to her brother Michael Gayran. Uh, that was Claude, um, uh, 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 John, uh, and his brother Andre. Uh, Liz, me and my boy, uh, who was my rapping partner at the time, uh, King B, we we did like the Jackson Five set for them. We did the rap set, uh -huh. and he had a set when he had to do the Jackson Five, and we we do the Jackson Five with them, you know, with with, with you know with the band, mm -hmm. and we were actually part of the band. Man, we did two different sets, two different shows I got with the band. We was traveling with the band, et cetera, et cetera. But that was back in, uh, let me see, that had to be in 80, wow, man, sometimes I can't even remember. But it was a long time ago. It was uh, 84, 85, 86, somewhere around there, man, you know, but it was a while back, but that was the first band I was with. Um, not quite our singing R&B style or anything yet. That's later. That's coming later. Okay. Uh, at that point in time, you had tried out several different things. You were a dancer at one time. You were a rapper at one time. You were a DJ, DJ at one time. These were all visited for the first time for a block a few years, and then you would try something else different out. Right. But you never came back around to settle into one of those things. You just kept trying different things. Yeah, right. I got you. And so, uh, 91, you put us in 91, roughly, and you're back down home, or you're back down in, in uh, Baton Rouge now. Right. And um, what do you find yourself doing? Uh, I, I was telling you about the, about the recording studio. Yeah, you did yes. some things for D&D, &D, uh, didn't work out. Yeah, that was... And then after that, um, we, we were kind of touching on uh, your meeting with Manny Fresh. And uh, but we didn't get to what where you go from there. Right, right. Well, uh, because I was things you, didn't work out with D and D, like you said. Right, and then I told you I came back home. Yeah. Right, and I got with these cats, and we formed the Vibe Tribe. We had yeah. The, the studio. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We are there now. That, with that, these that, cats for a while. How long okay, were you with those? This 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 happened. This was till um, ninety about ninety. Too close to ninety three. Oh, okay, so this was okay. This was several years. Right. Okay. Right. And then I started uh in ninety three I started recording a lot of stuff with Kiper. Mm hmm You know. So like I said, I had my hands in a lot of different stuff. And uh ninety three, uh then ninety four, um, 
I was still recording. I was recording with this cat named Chris Clay. I was recording in his studio. He was a DJ uh, uh, director down here. He was, uh, you know, the A and the um, program director down here. Okay. And uh, and um, I, you know, I, I recorded an album there. And um, then '95, I was, uh, and no '94, I went on tour too, with the with the sounds of blackness. I had turned this thing off. Excuse me, excuse me. No problem. He powered it back off again. Cause I thought it was off. And um, went on a tour with the Sounds of Blackness and uh, uh, CC and BB Whining. And uh, then in 95, you know, I was just working and stuff. You know, I wasn't really tripping on the music. I already had an album done, so I was just working. Yeah. And uh, What'd you do for the Whinings? Uh, for that typical tour, uh, we sold the merchandise for the Sounds of Blackness and BB and CC Wine. And we gotcha. sold the merchandise gotcha. on the tour. We stayed in the same hotel rooms with them and everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, same hotel, not rooms. Right, right. I get what you're saying. Right. And uh, so we were, we were hands-on, you know, with them. I got you. Um, and then you said you kind of put it down for a little while after that? 95... Yeah, put it down for a little while. 96, between 95 and 96, I was working. I was a delivery driver for Southern Bell. And then I went to Atlanta in 96. Mm -hmm. I went out there for a while. Um, some friends I grew up with from back home that we grew up with as kids. And I went out there. They said, come out here, man. I said, all right. So I went out there. Uh, I, got a, I ran into this other kid who just got through producing Bobby Brown's last album. Hmm. Him and his other dude that I grew up with here was producing Bobby Brown's last album. And um, so we hooked up, and he said he didn't give me a, a deal. I mean, not a deal, but a job working for this other company in Youngstown, Ohio. So I went there and got that job. I was working out there. And, uh, you know, I was afraid to fly. <laughs> I was afraid to fly. So they tricked me to get on this airplane, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, it was a big joke to them. You yeah. know, they was trying to scare me and everything on there. But that was the first and last time I ever flew. And uh, we was trying to help me get back to Atlanta before Freaknik. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? Everybody wanted to help and rush. Get but uh, that's what that was. And uh, when I moved out there to Atlanta, that's when Tupac had just got killed. When I moved out there. I moved out there right after he got killed. And then I came back here right after Biggie got killed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, came back home, it's 97, 98, and I think that's when I went to the studio, one of my boys' studio called uh, my boy Sean, Sean Griffin, and that was the first song I sung. It was, it was called Everyone Finds Their Way Home. Mm -hmm. And I mean, all the gospel stations was playing it down here, <laughs> right? So that was a good thing. I didn't care, you know, who played it as long as it got played, right? Sure. So, um, you know, I was doing that. I was working at Southern University. I was working in the kitchen mm -hmm. at the time when I was doing that. And uh, let me see, 99, that's when I, 97, 97, I met my, my ex-wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, got married in 99 and... What, did you, what, did you, what were you able to do with uh, the single hitting the radio? 
I mean, it was it was just getting played. I wasn't really pushing it, you know. It was just getting played, you know. I was I was in love and stuff at that time, you know, and you know, and I wasn't really tripping on the music, you know. But they was giving me airplay, so I was enjoying the moment, you know. Sure. And uh, like I said, I was married. I was in love, you know, and. Me and her was doing things and going everywhere and, you know, just having fun, you know, just having a good time. And I was raising a family because she had, like, four children. Mm-hmm. They weren't all children, but she had four, you know. A lot of things take a backseat. Such responsibility. Yeah, and in 98, I started working for Mystical, mm-hmm. Michael Tyler. I was doing pre-production for him. I brought him out of, he had a writer's block. Mm-hmm. And I brought him out of his writer's block. My tracks brought him out of writer's block. Yeah. And that's how we hooked up. You know what I'm saying? I used to live in these apartments over there off of Sherwood or something, what's that called? Southern Boulevard. I can't even remember. But uh, I met him there and uh, we clicked up. You know, I seen him pull up. And my little niece told me, she said, I should see Mystical one day and he was driving a. a a brown and cream color. Uh, um, what's that? The truck's called uh, a Lavin. What's that called? A Lavin. That's so crazy. I can't even remember. But uh, anyway, he had that tripe type of vehicle. <laughs> like an SUV, like a Land Rover. Land Rover, not a Land Rover. It was the. Um, he had a Land Rover Land when Cruiser. I was dealing with him. Land Cruiser. There you go. That's what I was thinking of. The Land Cruiser, that cream and brown Land Cruiser. And my niece said he had that no limit on his neck. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, I've walked from the back department, you know, like just the front, you walk in, and then I'm in the second apartment. So, you know, I'm coming out like I normally do every time of the day. I come out there, and, you know, and uh, I see him pull up. And then I'm just, I'm just looking, and I see the big old chain flashing, you know, and he got the, it's the thing wrapped around his head. Always. Yeah, right, right. So <laughs> back he jumped, then. Yeah, yeah, so he jumps out. I said, hey, man, is you mystical? He said, yeah, man, what's happening? I said, look, bro, I, said, I know you're a busy dude. I ain't tripping on you. I said, but uh, I got some tracks, man. You know, come check them out, man. You might like them. He said, what apartment are you in? So I told him, excuse me. Excuse me. He said, as soon as I get through getting my hair braided, come holler at you. I ain't believe him. I was like, okay, all right, cool. That's what's up. So, so the chick that he was in that situation with, that he mm. went to jail behind, oh, Paula, yeah. that's who was braiding his hair. Paula lived in the front oh, man. of where I lived. So she was braiding his hair. And uh, so I'm, you know, I used to tell my people, my, my, my ex-wife, everybody, I said, see that boy right there? One of his songs come on, or you know, if he'd buy his own self, or he had no limit. I said, I'm gonna work for that boy one day. Yeah. I said, cause I said, he remind me of me when I was young. You know, no raspy and, you know, and, and uh, so they laughed at me, you know, they would just laugh at me. So uh, my ex-wife, she came home and uh, I told her, I said, uh, somebody's coming here the day that I told you I was going to be working with one day. And uh, I told her, she said, who? I said, Mr. Girl. She started laughing at me, right? So she on the phone with her sister clowning me. Like, oh, girl, this fool in here talking about Mystical coming over here. And Beautiful. Open, <laughs> and open up the door for him when he get here and all that. You know, she was just clowning me, right? I said, all right, then, that's cool. Uh, so I, I think I jumped ahead, but Mike eventually came to mm-hmm. the apartment, right? Yeah, his little brother with him. So he come to the apartment, and I had these old tracks on cassette tapes that I did in Youngstown. Okay. Back in 96, 97. 
You know, his, you got the cassette tape, got the noise and the you know, sure. Like shit. Sure. <laughs> so uh, he come in. I didn't think he was coming, but he showed up, and I put the cassette in, hit play, and all I seen next was he got the he do this when he when he get ready to get in his own. With the twelve. Oh, zero. Uh, man, the ball in, yo, man. And they just started doing that shit, you know. And the ball is in, you know, in the ball. He called just spirit. He came just running it. And man, that dude grabbed me, man, hugged me like I was a brother. He said, oh, man, I'm out of my riders block. And he said, he said, he said, he said dog, what are you doing around 3 o'clock, 3.30? I said, no, I'm going to be here. He said, man, is it okay if I come back and bring my old lady with me? Boo, boo, boo. I said, yeah. He said, man, I need to talk to you. I need to holler at you. He left there, he was so excited, he gave another hug, boom, boom. Brother would hug me, boom, boom, right, that type of thing. And he was just, I could hear him as he leaving. He said, oh man, this dude just helped me come out. He was talking to his brother, right? Yeah. So I'm pumped up. Because I'm like, oh, it's on now. I'm pumped up, I try to tell him, right? Uh. So, so, you know, skip back to my, my ex-wife, she comes home. So I'm telling her, I'm letting her know, you know, boom. She crying. She don't believe nothing I'm telling her. <laughs> so... She on the phone, she's still calling me. I'm in, I'm in the living room. Ding dong. I said, baby, get the dough. Now you get the dough. Anybody, you know, that type of stuff. Hostile mm -hmm. with me. Hey, no miscall at that dough. You get the dough. Just hostile. So I'm laughing. I said, come on, baby, get the dough. She, girl, let me open up this dough because this boy here just plays so much. I just, how would she would hurry up and uh, get with Miscall so he can just, you know, that type of thing. She was running it like that. Yeah. And man, she opened up that dough. And she, her whole face expression just fell. Like, <laughs> and she turned around and looked at me. And when she looked, she was like, you know, that type of thing. I said, let the people in. Right? And I said, I'm telling her, let the people in. She said, oh, oh I'm sorry. Y'all come on in. Y'all come on in. And he, you know, they saying hi, introducing themselves to her and all that and all that. So she shut the door. You know, they got their back to her. They walking towards me. And she all behind them. She uh, was going crazy. You know, this got me just literally going crazy. 180. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Man, can you imagine the loving I was getting after that? And I'm not talking about sexual. I'm just talking about that confident, you know, knowing that my sure. man said he gonna do something, sure. and he doing it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I clown him real hard today. You know, just all in all the other days. So that just that respect level really kicked in yeah. on her. You know. So uh, they came in. You know, sat down. She, you know, she gonna come over there and sit down with us. So she covered in, sit down. She just, she still just kind of just blown out the, out the way right now. And she hear everything we talk about, you know what I'm saying, from beginning to end. And, and after that happened and, and, and they left and everything, oh my gosh, she was on the phone with every. Oh yeah, I'm sure. What was he looking for at the time? What was he trying to find? He wanted me to be his, uh, his go-to man doing his production, his pre-production. Okay. You know? Yeah, he, uh, he was like, hey man. So I was like, should we have some type of agreement? You know, so we signed something saying that, you know, I'm doing this pre-production for you, and if any ideas you come up with, if you want to use any of my stuff, that you know I will be compensated for, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I fell for the okie doke, but at the time I had nothing to lose because he was like, "Man, I'm mystical, man. I'm." I should have known him when he said that. I should have said, "Yeah, we need to sign stuff." Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But he started running that to me, man. I, I you know, I don't, I don't steal, man. I'm this guy. I don't steal all that type of stuff. So I said, okay, I took a chance anyway. But what I messed up was when I was giving him the music at first, I wasn't protecting myself with it. I wasn't mailing it back to myself and right. like that. Yeah. I started doing that 
later on. I mean, months and months and months, because my ex-wife was like, are you, you know, protecting yourself with that music? And I was like, no, baby, actually, I'm not. I'm just giving it to him. And she's like, oh, no, we're going to. And that's who gave me the idea, because she was a paralegal. She said, uh, you need to start. every Before you give him that music, we're going to mail it back to our own selves. You know, it's called a lazy man's copyright. Mm, right. So, uh, but the ones that I gave him, I didn't do that. And those are the ones he used. Come on. Only one saved us when we were suing them. But the thing was, when I, when, when, I, when I let the lawyers hear the tracks that I accused them of, mm -hmm. you know, they was like flabbergasted. They was like, oh, wow, we're going to take your case. You know, we're going to take that case. And, um, you know, just to make a long story short, it was what it was, and it did what it did. And, uh, you know, I gave Mike a lot of ideas, you know, to start his own label and all that, all that because of me. I even gave, I was one who gave Mike advice to, you know, stop crying about what's going on in No Limit. You're already a platinum artist. Do your own sure. thing. Go get your own deal. And that's what he did. And that's when he got that deal with Jive. He mm -hmm. left No Limit and went to Jive. He started his record label and all that. He said I was going to be his main producer for his, for his label, you know, and all that type of stuff. He went back on everything he said to me, but it's all good. You know what I'm saying? I, ne I ain't never trip on it. Man. Even though uh, you, you, sometimes people walk away from them situations feeling like empty-handed, but I mean it inside yourself it kind of verifies yourself to yourself like you you are on to something good you know what i'm saying like right. you, you are you are doing it is what you think it is you don't just have to think it you know right. it you right. know what i'm saying right he even made a statement to me one time talking about because i remember when he came to my, my apartment and he seen uh what i was working with mm -hmm. i had a <laughs> i had a uh uh in sonic keyboard right workstation and i just had a uh an amplifier house speakers mm -hmm. and house system. And I had my Sonic plugged up into there and I was making my beats, putting my beats together on workstation and when I get through with them, you know, everything, everything, and then I just fly them right. to the cassette. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, and, and, that's, and when he, he said, man, you making a big sound like that off of this? He said, you kidding me? He was just amazed, mm -hmm. like, he was just tripped out. He said, man, you kidding me? This is, you doing all them tracks on this? This right here? <laughs> I said, yeah, he said, man, you should have been made. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I took it as a compliment, you know sure. what I'm saying, you know, and, but as far as I'm concerned, you know, it was all a, a game anyway, you know, it was all, a, you know, the way he did it, you know, because all he had to do was just give me credit for what I've done, oh, yeah. all the ideas I came up with, and we'd have been good. My phone keep coming back on. It's crazy. It's got a life of its own, man. That's crazy. Why my phone keep coming back on? I ain't supposed to be doing that. When you, um... When you walked away from that situation and you come out of it maybe with a, a little more sense of validity or believing in yourself, I guess, um, what, do you, what do you look for next? Like, what are you looking for at this time? At this time, man, you know, I'm, I'm much older now. I'm 56 years old, man. Um, I'm just really trying to uh, be backdoor. You know what I'm saying? Behind the scene, mm -hmm. uh, doing a lot of things. You know, I'm looking for producers to hire uh, for my label. I'm looking for artists. I'm looking for engineers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to uh, set it off to where the entrepreneurship can really, really kick in. And I have a, I have a company called Cotton Enterprises, and those are enterprises within an enterprise. And 
you know, I mean, those are companies within the enterprise. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, you know, just trying to do things, man. Just trying to maintain. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, got the podcast show, Soul to Soul. I done did some interviews already, but I'm about to kick it back off. Uh, other than that, I'm really just trying to uh, make some things work, man. Yeah. You know? And your interest lies now in production mainly or management? Where, where do you see yourself? <sighs> wow, because right now I'm doing everything still myself. So uh, you can just say all of the above. Yeah. You know? Um, Mr. Cotton featuring AdLib is something that I caught online. You got tracks to that online too. You want to tell them about that? Well, this album is really called Show You How to Love. It's just that AdLib is featuring on uh, the song Show You How to Love. Okay. And he is on uh, a few songs on there. Uh, I have various artists on a lot of them songs. I have different artists on there with me and stuff. Um, yeah, this is my latest album. It's got 20 songs on there. Uh, Just in time for Valentine's Day. Show you how to love. Very nice. You know, <laughs> right? Uh, um, if, they, if they purchase an album, uh, a CD, they get a free autograph poster. You know, uh, this is my latest project. Um, I'm just, you know, just trying to make it do what it do. On here, you are mainly singing. Uh, say that again. Are you mainly singing on I'm, here? I'm the main singer on this album, but I have a other artist featured on a lot of the songs on there. You're not doing any rapping at all on this album. It's just vocals. No, there's one rap song on there. Okay, that's uh, what I was getting. Okay, okay, there's one rap song I did do that, uh, and it's called "Bringing Back Hip Hop." Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I just I did that uh, not too long ago. You know, it never left, did it? <laughs> never went anywhere. Okay. Uh, but you, you sort of gravitated more towards singing at this point. That's the mainstay on the sound. Right. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. As far as uh, instruments um, and uh, musicians. Well, I play the trombone, but I haven't played it in a while. And, and if I'm in the studio, uh, I can play keyboard, you know. Like okay. That, but, but other than that, I don't really play instruments. So this is all, how are you composing all of this is what I'm getting at. Do you have oh, 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 musicians oh. on the album? Yeah, yeah I got, uh, I'm using various people, other people's uh, tracks, mm -hmm. other uh, producers' tracks, and, um, and I'm using a few old school tracks in there. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you and I, before we started recording, talked about um, basically trying to find some new talent Right. Uh, to right. help shuttle along and um, I guess bring to fruition albums and, and uh, yes. start to tour and things like that. Yes, sir. Um, so everybody look out. Where can they find you uh, to get in touch to see about doing things with you? They can find me on Facebook at Darnell Cotton. I got two pages. Uh, they can find me on Instagram mm -hmm. uh, at uh, Cotton Darnell. Or Darnell Cotton. Mm -hmm. uh, they can find me on YouTube um, as Mr. Cotton and 100% Cotton, and uh, that's about it. Uh, if I can give them a phone number, I can give them a number where they can reach me if they're interested in, uh, you know, uh, being part of Grind Time Entertainment. They can submit their demos. I can give them my email address or whatever. All right, we'll put the link on that in okay. the article. Okay. Um, and uh, last, I didn't want to leave out 
uh, Diamonds in the Dirt. Oh, okay. I wanted you to talk about that for a minute. All right, Diamonds in the Dirt. Um, they can see that on Tubi. It's streaming on Tubi for free. Uh, it's on Apple TV. It's on uh, Google TV. It's on Prime Video. It's on a whole bunch of spots. And they're doing this big campaign now uh, across the nation now. Um, I think it was the... Um, the most, uh, the documentary of the year on Tubi uh, this year or last year was one of them. And um, Diamonds in the Dirt is talking about how rap got started mm -hmm. in Baton Rouge. Who was the first one to do it? Where did it come from? And uh, that's basically what it is. So when they watch Diamonds in the Dirt, you know, they're going to talk about this person and that person. And then after that person, they're going to start telling you about who's the first rap. Rappers down, first rap song that came out down here. Excuse me. And that first rap song, they're talking about the group I had. And nice. they're, they're introducing us on there, who we are, and this and that and that. And, that. and talking about Royal Shield, they showed us, you know, the studio, the inside. And they, they interview Kuiper. Kuiper's talking on it. I'm talking on it. Greg Dukes is speaking on it. And it's just basically letting them know that, you know, the group reality was the first ones to put a record out. All right. So they're covering a span of time, but it's in the beginning. It's in the beginning. Got you. Because we was the first. They're going in order. Yeah, well, that's great, man. Congratulations mm -hmm. on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to get the link to that, too, and I'll include that at the end of the article yeah. as well so they can go check that yeah, out. That'll be nice. Really good, man. I appreciate your time, man. Thank All you. All right, man. I appreciate you, man. All right. Good. Hey, this is Levi from Mesler, Southern Brutality in 1016. Look, man, we all started off as jam bands. We get together, we push our souls all throughout the speakers, man. Simple as that. The connections that we form with our crowds and followers is nothing like any other. And we'd love to have you back. Click that on button, show your support, or you can check us out at Buy Me a Coffee. Black 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 Buy Me a Coffee, Black Slash. Black 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 Buy me a coffee, backslash, yours music. I have spoken. Yeah, 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 yeah.